The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. Imagine for a moment that you find yourself in the shoes of an early rising Jew during the time of Jesus. As you begin sipping your morning coffee, you take up the scrolls to do your devotions before getting on your donkey and heading off to work to do your desk job. Reading more of the ancient scrolls was a New Year's resolution for you, and so on day three, you are still going strong. And also recently, there's been a buzz in the air A man named John has been creating quite a stir. He's begun preaching a message that scratches an itch that's lodged in most of the hearts of the Jews that you know, your friends, your colleagues, in you yourself. He comes preaching, prophesying, speaking words of God, and quoting the prophets of long ago. This is news. And so this morning, you pick up the scroll of Isaiah and begin to read. As the caffeine kicks into gear, you move through the parts of Isaiah described in uh, the early parts, the exile and the judgment. Ah, you know this reality. You know the exile, the occupation of the Romans, the frustration and the fear that lives with you and your people every day. But this time, you keep reading. You keep reading in the scroll to the part where Isaiah doesn't talk about exile and judgment, but talks about a savior. See, the ancient prophet tells us that God doesn't abandon his people. He doesn't let the world go to waste, but instead promises a savior. Words from Isaiah 43 come across the page saying to you, But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Other words stick out. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, who I formed and made. And as you read this, you think to yourself, could it be? Could it be that God is bringing this prophecy to life in John or someone close behind him? Could it be that God is acting in our world and in my life? Could it be true that God really does love us? As you shut the scroll and finish the last few sips of your coffee, reality begins to sink in again. It's been so long. God hasn't spoken to us, shown up in our lives, pulled through in what this prophecy says in hundreds of years. It's been silent. And so as you get on your donkey and ride into work, the voices of oppression and disappointment set themselves in again. And it seems like God is so, 
so far away from your life. The longing that you felt, feel in your heart, it just seems too good to be true, too distant to hope. I invite yourself to find yourself in your shoes again in 2022 as we face our day. I know we live centuries after this coffee-sipping Jew, but each of us longs for things that are almost identical. As we begin our day, we find ourselves hearing voices from outside of us and inside of us that tell us a story so different from one that we want to hear. Our lives are often filled with a hum of anxiety from school, work, or family life that makes us feel like we're always behind and never enough. The test score we received reminded us that even our best effort isn't good enough. The job that started off as fulfilling and empowering has become mundane and difficult. The relationships that once brought joy are now complicated and again distant. Look beyond ourselves to our world and we see that this doesn't seem to be very hopeful either. 2022 points us toward an ongoing pandemic, rising global temperatures, and more tents along the escarpment. Like our coffee-sipping Jew, you know, we find ourselves often asking the question, where is God? Is he with us? Is he really moving in this place in my life? We struggle often to know God's voice. We struggle to have confidence in his promises, and we find it hard to believe that he really does love us. God is far away. God is not involved in our lives. This was a common belief when John the Baptist was preaching. See, most people during the first century believed that with the cessation of the Holy Spirit, which hadn't spoken to God's people in so many years, there were no more Old Testament prophets, that God no longer spoke directly to his people. People in that time period believed that even the most faithful only heard from God in what they would call distant echoes. There's a Hebrew phrase that goes along with that, a distant echo. But when Jesus was baptized, everything changes. John the Baptist proclaimed boldly, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's message was a little like the beavers in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia when they say, Aslan is on the move. God is on the move. Things are beginning to change. John mentions the Holy Spirit God's personal presence being gifted to his people again. He will baptize with the Spirit everyone to be filled with his personal presence. I can imagine that many in the crowds are filled with this skeptical voice, the voice of their reality, saying, could this be true? Or is this just another one of those empty promises made by a false prophet? But this time was different. Because this time, it was about more than words. When everyone was being baptized by John, a man named Jesus of Nazareth also came to be baptized. 
And it turned out that this was no ordinary baptism. Because Jesus is no ordinary person. As Jesus was praying, heaven broke open. And the Spirit descended like a dove on Jesus. Hit the pause button for a moment and remember that we are in the context of the Gospel of Luke. A Gospel that Luke is writing based upon eyewitness testimony. He names that at the first chapter, at the beginning of his Gospel. And so we can look at this passage and we can see that this happened. That heaven broke open. That God's Spirit descended upon Jesus in a visible form. Now, to us, this sounds absolutely amazing. I mean, could you imagine seeing this in person? What would it look like to be there? What would it, what would it have been like to be in the crowds in that moment? Seeing this not as an Instagram story, but live with your own eyes. Exactly how it happens. Amazing as that is for the Jews, this would be even more incredible because it's more than just a sight to see. For the Jews, the opening of heaven and the descending of the Spirit of God means God is no longer silent. There are passages in the Old Testament that point to when the heavens break open, a new era begins. God's kingdom, God's rule, God's reign comes near. God is no longer a passive voice, silent for centuries. He spoke, and all who were there could hear. And God spoke to his son, saying to him, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. In Jesus' baptism, God tells us of his great love towards Jesus. Like a parent gawking over their child, God is the proud parent here. He says, look at him. This is my son. I'm so proud of him. I'm so happy with him. I'm so excited that he is mine. I love him. And deep down in the bottom of our hearts, isn't this what we all want to know? What we all long to hear? In all the things that we do in our lives, if we could hear words like that from God, wouldn't that be enough? Life is hard. But if you matter to God, and he cares about your life, about you, about your future, about your joys, your sorrows, your grief, your frustrations, then that would change everything. The words spoken of Jesus are words that each one of us longs to hear. Unfortunately for us, this approval, this love, this happiness that is lavished upon Jesus is something that we can never achieve. God's love we cannot earn, for the bar of morality and righteousness has just been set too high for us to accomplish. We fall short again and again and again and again. Yet Jesus... And only Jesus has this approval, for he, he is the perfect Son of God. He is the one who is worthy of his Father's love and acceptance. One would probably get confused, though, if we jumped ahead in the story of the Gospels to the end, where God appears to be very inconsistent. 
At Jesus' baptism, God expresses his deepest love towards Jesus. But then in Jesus' greatest moment of pain and loss and need, God is no longer there. When Jesus is on the cross, hung to die, and he cries out to his Father, the one who proclaimed his love and care for him, he's met with silence. God doesn't speak. God doesn't act. God doesn't save. In fact, he turns away. As we say in that famous hymn, In Christ Alone, the Father turns his face away. And so we can look at this and say, you know, what gives? What's going on? How can God be such an inconsistent person? But we have to remember here that Jesus didn't come to tell us how to get right with God. He didn't come to share with us the proper steps to building a righteous life. He didn't come to share with us the way into God's good books. Instead, he came to be our substitute to defeat sin and evil on our behalf. And on the cross, Jesus switched places with us. And so he took on, in full knowledge, the silence that we deserve. He switched places with us so that we can count on God's love and blessing in our lives. Friends, the words that God spoke over Jesus at his baptism can now be true of us. When we make Jesus the Lord of our lives, and because of his sacrifice, we can hear the words that God spoke over Jesus to be true of us. You are my son. You are my daughter in whom I delight. With you, I am well pleased. One pastor once said, if we have the smile of God, what does it matter that we have the frown of others? Friends, as we face a world with voices telling us so many things that aren't true or aren't easy to hear, or when we beat up ourselves for how we perform at school or in sports, or when we get caught up in the amount of followers we have or likes we get, Let's instead remember whose voice really matters. If we have the smile of God, what does it matter that we have the frown of others? The God who created this world, this whole world, and everything in it with the sound of his th voice thinks that you are the best. What could be better than that? I hope and pray that this year, that we know more and more that although we are more sinful than we could imagine, we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dare hope. And as Paul reminds us in Romans, if God would give up his son for us, how will he not give us also all the things that our hearts long for. 
But tell us, Pastor, how can we make these gospel truths, these simple things that we hear every single Sunday, a reality in our hearts? For when we hit the road on Monday morning, these things can seem so hard to get into our hearts and to believe. This happens, I believe, only and only and only through the spiritual disciplines. If we want to grow in our confidence and our assurance that we are loved, that we are accepted, that, we, that God is for us and not against us, then we have to commit ourselves to three main things. And if you scan the saints, the people who live lives that we would say are worthy of emulating, of imitating, these three things will be true of every single Christian that you meet Things, private prayer, communal worship, meditating on scripture. Those three things are essential ingredients in a recipe of assurance and confidence in God's love for us. Take these things out and we can be so easily washed away by what the world says about us. But take these things to heart. Spend time each day in prayer, in worship, in meditating on scripture, and it will change you. To get the peace that the gospel offers, we have to pray the truths in. Now, friends, this doesn't happen overnight. It happens slowly over time as we worship, as we pray, as we meditate on the words of scripture. If you remember, we recently went over this book from start to finish, and what this author reminded us again and again and again was we have to commit ourselves to three simple things, to prayer, to worship, and to scripture. And so if you want a refresher on this, I'm going to keep this book here. And if you'd like to borrow it, please borrow it. If you'd like to order it, it's on Amazon. This will guide you through how to begin to build habits of worship, of prayer, and of meditating on Scripture every single day of our lives. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Spirit, we worship you. We adore you. And we need you. Thank you for the gift of Jesus who took rejection so that we could be accepted. Help us, triune God, to take the truths of the gospel and to make them the voice that we trust in our lives. This is hard, and we need your Holy Spirit and his work in our lives and in our world to help us. So send your Spirit today. Father, draw us near to you. In Jesus' name, amen.